Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Delano Sapporu. Thank you, as always, for listening to this week's episode. Wherever you're listening, make sure you subscribe, rate, review, support the podcast. We have a lot coming up. There's so much news this week. I always say that every week, but literally a lot of news this week, and you're going to hear our take, my take. We'll discuss, we'll go over it. And we will learn with each other. We also have the roundtable as course this week. We're going to talk about small business tips and how to survive and do different things as a small business owner. I have a lot of clients that are small business owners. Lastly, question of the week, of course, we will get through that. So again, thank you as always for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Share the podcast with your fellow friends and family and hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, we have such a big market update in what's in the news section. Let's start with the market update. Uh, as we're looking at it today, the S&P is up, the, the NASDAQ is up, and the Dow is up. Um, really, a lot of the stock and the market in general, the broader market, has been hitting highs this past week. Broader group of stocks are gaining. Tech stocks and growth stocks are back in play. Blue chip stocks um, have, have recovered. A lot of those high growth stocks have recovered around May 12th, May 13th. A lot of them have been recovering and not only recovering, but pushing new highs. You know, we'll talk about later in the, in the what's the news, but Microsoft just hit $2 trillion market cap, um, joining Apple as, as the only two hitting that mark. So a, a lot of stocks really, you know, after the Fed chair Jerome Powell's statements on Tuesday, he reiterated that in the pressures in inflation should be temporary, and that soothed a lot of the market jitters. Um, and we focused that market started focused back on growth earnings, and, and that is you know what's pushing us to newer highs. That's been the catalyst so far, which is what we needed. And then traders are realizing that um, currently. So that's kind of the big update in the markets. A lot more in the what's is in the news, and we just touched on it a little bit briefly. Microsoft just hit two trillion dollar market cap, joining Apple. And the prestigious club, um, and that's really interesting. And again, Microsoft's a company that's kind of been flying below the radar in those big tech fang names. I would say, in the sense that this is a company that's been heavily uh, performing well. It's up probably twenty-two percent year to date, or something of that nature. How do they make their money? Um, they actually have the cloud revenue. They have productivity and biz apps. They have personal computing. So they have different business segments that are really growing um, and really doing a good job of, of managing that. They've been aggressive on the M&A front as well, sniffing around different companies. But that's a company that's been doing really, really well and, and is a staple for, for, for the market in general. Um, and, and along those fronts, you know, tagging on those the, the, that news, billionaire investor, Warren Buffett is actually resigning as the trustee of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, but he will still donate $4.1 billion to the foundation. And one thing about Warren Buffett you have to give him props for is he's one of those people that have you know, pledged 99% of his wealth to philanthropic desires and, and efforts. And that's actually really, really cool to see. And what, you know, we, we're focused, a lot of us focus on, you know, making a lot of money and all these different things. What is it actually there for? What are you doing with it? You know, at the end of the day, you can't bring it with you to the next stage of your life. So I think a lot of great people are investing in it, or excuse me, donating it, slash, you know, passing it on to your family, doing different things, but you can't take it with you. 
Uh, so live life. All right, folks. But yeah, and I think the resigning news is interesting because we're hearing a lot of things around Bill Gates uh, recently of, of improprieties and different uh, scandals coming out of his rumor mills, coming out of his camp. Um, and I think some people are distancing themselves from him. And, you know, you look at Warren Buffett, this is the quintessential lunch pail. Well, he puts that <laughs> that image out, quintessential lunch pail, work hard guy. And then if you're, you know, he's good pals with Bill. He's good pals with Bill. Billionaire Bill's Club, the Billionaire Club. You know, you're good pals with him, but you're hearing different, you know, news and rumor mills around how he's been acting in, in, in different scenarios and situations. And I think he's doing a little bit distancing. Um, you might see that over the next several months, people distancing themselves. Maybe more, you know, information's coming out because I don't know. There was a little bit of news few months ago, but haven't heard much of it as of late. So I, I, that's quite a big step for a friend of a very long time to distance himself slightly in the public. Um, so that's quite interesting. We'll keep our eyes on that. Something that's new, um, and I just tweeted about it in the sense that this is like a millennial you know, marriage here. BuzzFeed is re reportedly going to go public via SPAC merger. Uh, it's a digital media roll-up company that's trying to compete with big tech. I'm sure you've read a lot of BuzzFeed articles and they have different outlets that they've purchased over the years, but um, that's quite interesting. I don't, I don't know. I think I know during the pandemic they were laying people off. Um, so I don't know how growth has been. That was obviously during tough times when ad revenue was being um, pulled back from, from a lot of companies, which is weird to me. Um, but um, they're trying to go public via SPAC. They're trying to tap the public markets, raise capital. A lot of people are trying to do that. Uh, so that's really, really interesting. We'll kind of keep our eyes on that. Something that I thought was interesting, I, I watched the documentary a few months ago, the Britney Spears New York Times piece. I think it's on HBO or Showtime. I can't forget, remember exactly where it's on. But Britney's come out. She's spoken about her troubles um, she, in her most recent statement about her personal affairs. Britney Spears told an L.A. probate judge that she wants to end the conservatorship that she's been under for 13 years. She, she says, and I quote, I've been in denial. I've been in shock. I am traumatized. I just want my life back. And she said this during a remote hearing. There's a big Free Britney push online, and I'm part of that Free Britney. I got a hashtag Free Britney. You know, if you read the documentary, excuse me, you watch the documentary, and you see what's going on, you know, all the different people I play with it, be your father, different people that are really trying to control the way she uses her money, to control the way she lives her life. It's horrible. Um, they're estimating she has a net worth of about 60 million. She only released four albums. That's quite interesting. Yeah, she hasn't really done much work since in this conservatorship. She's underneath, um, and it makes sense because she's not in control of her money, so why work for someone else? Um, this is actually a story that's gaining traction. I think we're, hopefully she'll be released from this conservatorship. If you want to learn more about it, I, I suggest you watch that documentary. I think it was really eye-opening um, case that we have going on with one of our biggest stars that we just haven't heard much from over the last five, ten years, which is really, really you know crazy to know this. Um, so, so we'll keep our eyes on that. And hopefully she is free sometime soon. And we've talked a lot about the airline comeback, but airlines are saying it's coming back. It's a party in the TSA. The number of people passing through U.S. airport checkpoints is back. And I was preaching this, you know, two, three months ago that people are going to be traveling again. You have to go to a destination. You're going to travel. A lot of people that were stuck inside, big thing they want to do is book a flight um, and get flown out, flewed out. How, how do the young kids say it this, these days? So that's happening. It's really, really, you know, airline companies are saying that they're, they're, they're packed to the brim. Um, 10K flights were delayed uh, by Southwest. 
30% uh, of flights are running late, cancellations um, because they just can't meet demand. It's crazy. But um, with that said, Dr. Fauci, you know, talking about this highly contagious Delta variant. I've been hearing more about it in the last week or two in the news, but this COVID Delta variant, Dr. Fauci is saying is the greatest threat to the U.S. efforts to crush COVID. And I don't know much about it, but I assume I'm going to read more about it in the next couple of weeks. But we're talking about a variant of the COVID-19, uh, you know, obviously our pandemic filled um, what we dealt with last year and a half. And so year and a few months. So they're not saying there's a variant of it that is is, is deadly and is a threat. Um so we'll watch out for that. I'm vaccinated. So, you know, we're out here just living life and then trying to get back to a normal lifestyle. But we've got to keep our eyes on, on what's ahead on the forefront as well. Speaking of living life and getting back out there, Tinder is trying to help people do that. And they announced some biggest changes to their platform since 2012. Uh, that's video. And now they're allowing people to use videos, uh, hot takes. You can see the spicy spin. I think the hot takes one would be cool. Uh, I am not on these platforms anymore, but this sounds quite interesting. Um, so I think, you know, if you're looking, thinking about what's going on with, you know, Tinder is obviously owned by Match Group. And what's going on with, you know, people getting back out, people getting back together, people meeting up again and doing all these great things that people haven't been able to do for the past 15 months. And, and, and a lot of these platforms are trying to take advantage of that socialization that is going to be happening over the summer. This might be a big summer 2021, um, depending on how people feel. I think there's going to be a little bit of hesitation from some people on really getting back out there. I kind of like, I'm a homebody. I like being away and sheltered from the craziness that is the world out there. Um, you know, put me in front of a TV and good meal and, and I'm set. I don't really need to be out there like that, you know? So we'll see. We'll see um, what what happens with that. Um, now moving over to more, you know, younger people, millennial news, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, volatile asset, volatile digital, digital asset, um, and it's being ping-ponged around the media and different <laughs> regulators and countries. You know, I saw El Salvador take a liking to cryptocurrencies and integrating it into the way their country moves. And now you're seeing China is trying to crack down on mining and mass and mass migration um, of, of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So China, which actually has the digital yuan, they have their own currency, digital currency, which is, they believe, I think Bitcoin's a competitor. So they're, you know, trying to check, crack down on Bitcoin. Um, and they're saying that an estimated 90% of China Bitcoin mining capacity has been shut down. And they've set up snitching hotlines. I heard snitches get stitches, but I cannot confirm or deny. But they've set up snitching hotlines to, to, as well. Um, they urge their big fintech companies and payment companies to not allow any crypto trading. So China's really taking a, a hard step. They did this before. And it hasn't stopped a digital currency, which really can't be stopped. Um, and there's, you know, I don't think this will be a, this will be a short temporary headwind, but um, something that won't be able to, 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 to slow down the adoption long term. Um, so, so that's really interesting. Something that people should really, really watch out for. Uh, something that was really interesting news and I was able to speak about on CNBC was Lordstown Motors. Um, whether they had, I think we spoke about it on the podcast last week, the, Really, the information came out about the company not doing as well as expected. Um, orders not really being real possible orders. Um, projection on timeline of them to be able to produce their their product not being able to really meet that, and stock price you know fell when that news came out. But before that, there was 
obviously reports and filings that showed that execs of the company that knew they were going to be ousted, knew that all this information was going to come out and the stock price would drop. They sold their stock prior to all this, cashed out, of course. Um, and that's the same thing that happened with Nikola Motor Motors and all these different companies, insiders that have the ability to know these things and, and sell their stock beforehand. So um, just another warning shot, another understanding of warning and not just jumping on different things because it doesn't bode well. I have no holdings in, in Lordstown. Um, not something I really follow besides besides the news updates. Um, but something I do follow, Netflix. They struck a multi-year deal with Steven Spielberg, the iconic director. He'll be making some awesome flicks for Netflix. Again, uh, I've obviously been a big proponent of flicks and the streaming wars. So we'll be watching out for that. I, I know he's big and I'm forgetting all his big movies now, but... Netflix, one area that they, they want to improve on, I think, is the movie area, which is super hard to bring. I think that one piece of that is that it's really hard to, even if the movie is good, it's really hard to um, reimagine, recreate that experience of watching a theater, which is a big part of that experience. The movie going experience a lot lends to, you know, this whole euphoria around watching a movie and making it good. Um, one place they did really well on was, I'm forgetting the name of the movie now, um, the one with Sandra Bullock, one of my favorite movies probably of all time, straight from Netflix. Um, what a great one. And if you know they can create, recreate that, um, you, you got something there. Um, and I thought this was interesting. There was a quote um, in, in, in news of someone, someone saying, my life isn't worth a dead-end job. And this 23-year-old a uh, person from Tennessee told the Washington Post that she left her $11 a year job, $11 hour job as a national pet chain retailer to pursue her interest in writing and making art. And she's not alone. More people quit the retail industry in April, around 650,000, than any other month on record. And people are realizing, hey, I'm not going to do things that I'm not passionate about. I'm not going to do things that I don't really enjoy. Uh, I'm not going to be abused in a corporate structure. Uh, I'm not going to feel less than I am. I'm not going to cap my abilities and my limits. And I'm going to go for it all. And I think I love that. I applaud that. Keep doing it. Keep hustling for all the people out there. And we'll talk more about that in the small business tips uh, section of our roundtable. Quick hits, Kyle Nassib, a defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders, came out as the first active NFL player. He became the first active NFL player to announce that he's gay. I thought Michael Sam was the first player, but uh, maybe it was because he was being drafted, but this is the active player coming out. Um, great, great news for him, great for him. And he's also donating money, um, so that's a great, great thing. And Sweet Green has filed confidentially for an IPO. Soho House is also kicking out the process. A lot of people trying to tap the public markets. That's it. We had so much news this week. We had to get through it all, but we will move over into the roundtable section next, and I hope you enjoy the news section. Financial roundtable. I've, I've worked with a lot of small business companies, you know, and, and I really thought that I haven't really touched on like how to navigate a small business, how to navigate the Wilms, how to build your business. Um, and I thought that would be cool to just some tips and stuff that I that I focused that I think was important to, to talk to people because a lot of people are thinking about more than ever building a venture at this point in time. So how does that look like for you? It's different. Uh, for people, um, but let's kind of go through some things that I saw online that I think would be efficient or good to talk about for people that are thinking about it or doing it. Um, I think one of the first things is people say is, um, 
you know, one, deliver, you know, stay focused on your niche, um, understand who your people are, work with those people um, and not get too, I wouldn't say you don't want to broaden out, but once you find your niche, I think first you start broad and once you find your niche, you work with those people, you work with them, you foster and you grow with those folks um, specifically. And that can be through different channels, many different channels. Um, and that's a super important thing to remember. Another thing to remember is be time efficient. Um, you're gonna wear many hats. Make sure you're being time efficient and try to to navigate that process because it could be overwhelming for people. But there are different things like tech stacks that make it uh, very very possible for you to do it. Find your balance is also important. You know, you may be working from your home. Try to balance out. I, I'm getting better at trying to find a balance uh, when I respond to things and, and when I won't, uh, because you know we have to find our balance. We work so much, even if we love it, we got to take um, our time for ourselves. Um, and then there's a big thing on building a team. I think that's you know could you got to be careful on that. So I think one thing in this world now that we have to realize is there are so many people that are able to scale without building teams or building these big things. And it wasn't back in the old days where you had to hire people and that was a sign of success. It's not that same way. People are using tech stacks um, now to scale and, and it's way more cost efficient. It's way better for margins. It's way better for businesses to use tech stacks where it's hiring people that are essentially become pencil pushers. Um, if you look at all these big bloated companies, a lot of them hire a bunch of people that are pencil pushers, not revenue generating. And those will be the first people to go um, in any side of trouble because you're paid too much doing too little. Uh, and that is a huge thing to understand, especially for business owners. You don't want to have bloated you know, overhead on your books when you can scale efficiently using tech stacks. If you look at it, like you have people that have written lines of code in this day and age and become billionaires. If you look at the cryptocurrency space, different things, they didn't have to hire people. They just wrote lines of code and, and really use that to launch and themselves and be and really you have to think about how growth looks like for your business efficiently and make sure you're doing it the right way also be flexible things will shift especially in a new business and 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 that's something to understand and learn and and deal with those and roll with those punches um and then try your best to be the best at what you do i think that's super super important hone in on it practice skills think read i do a lot of reading um and honing in and, and really you know having confidence as well is, is a big thing so i think those are some great great tips if you have any of your own please share pass these along to to myself and others in your network and, and let's kind of continue to build together and next we'll talk about the question of the week Question of the week. I think people like this segment, uh, so we're going to get into it. Um, and this time, the reader says, My fiance and I are currently in the process of planning a wedding and reassessing where we'd like to buy a house. She's about to begin her 10-month unpaid internship in her order to complete her master's degree. Throughout all of this, the biggest issues we're facing is the wedding. We've been together close to 11 years and engaged for one. For the longest time, I thought we were on the same page, small wedding, no engagement photos, save the money, get a house. Why go into marriage in debt? As we, begin, as we begin to peel the layers of the onion, her thoughts have changed dramatically. She now envisions a wedding with 80 plus guests in a rented venue. She wants engagement photos. She wants to provide either plated or buffet food. Her parents have offered close to 10K to help, but I have insisted that money is best suited for a down payment on a house. All of these things are adding up, even though we set a hard budget of 15K 
and don't even have a quarter of that saved. I have money in stocks and savings, but I'm strongly refusing to touch either of them for the sake of this joyous occasion. How do I approach this? I don't want to stonewall her at every turn. I want her to have an amazing day we remember for the rest of our lives, but she has yet to propose a plan for how we can save this money. I'm beginning to feel as though she's looking at me at the foot, me to foot the bill almost entirely by myself. Marriage sure does make love suck. <laughs> Please tell me if I'm pitching pennies a little too light, tightly or if I'm right on the money. This is interesting. I actually think this is a really interesting question from the reader. Um, actually, there's this show, I think it's on Netflix. It's called like Marriage or House or something. I forgot what it is. So it just made me think of that, how, that show that I watched a couple of episodes from. But this is a conversation that is needs to be it's a bigger conversation about what you guys plan to do together with money. Um, and I think at the foremost, uh, marriage is, is sometimes a business contract. You're coming together legally, emotionally, and financially. Your goals have to be the same and similar. Your anxieties have to be shared. Your attitudes toward life events and indebtedness, depending on how you look at it, have to be navigated and shared together. Um, you have to resolve this amicably. It doesn't bode well if you guys aren't able to do this together. So I think it's a sitting down of the minds um, that you have to figure it out. Maybe there's a way for you to speak with someone, whether it's counselor or different people, on understanding how you can go about this together. Because again, the wedding is a celebration, especially it's viewed at by her. And for you, you're seeing it as a debt burden. Maybe there's a compromise in the middle where you can see it together and understand how you can take the 10K from your parents and maybe add a little bit of your money that you explained that you had to try to get into a reasonable budget that would fit and work well for both of you. I think. I think that would be the best solution. Um, but, you know, again, that's a tough, tough situation that we all navigate, wouldn't, could navigate differently. But hey, folks, that is it for the Your Money, Your Life podcast this week. Again, thank you for listening. I'm still watching the NBA playoffs. It's getting exciting. I watched the Bucks and Hawks last night. Trey Young surprising us all. My pick was, you know, as of a couple weeks ago, my picks were the Bucks and the Suns and the Bucks taking it, but it's looking like the Hawks are, if the Hawks were able to win the championship year, this might be the most, you know, craziest uh, underdog stories we've ever seen. Um, there was actually a better that they showed a few months ago. He bet a sizable amount on the, on the Hawks back a few months ago and then doubled down on in June and that payout's looking at in the millions for this person's rather fortuitous bet um, if that comes through. So, you know, I just think it's interesting. It's great to watch. Weather's getting better. Um, so hope everyone is staying safe. Thank you for listening. We will talk next week.